Our second reading today comes to us from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Listen now for the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs, In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day of celebration and of hope. Lord, I pray whatever words we would hear this morning would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So with all of this talk of fire, I actually forgot to light the candles. (laughs) Ironically. Pastor Sarah, would you, so that we're not here all afternoon, would you mind helping me? I would love to. Okay, and there's that, and I'll just toss that in there. Thank you. 
This was not planned, by the way. It's not. <laughs> we did not choreograph this. Thank you. Well, I hate jury duty. <laughs> it's funny, those of you that are laughing, I know you, you watched the sermon last week, you're at least familiar with it. And this has nothing to do with my sermon either, by the way. I just say it because uh, I have to balance out what Pastor Sarah said last week when she opened her sermon on implicit bias and testimony in the Gospel of John by saying that she loves jury duty, <laughs> which... I just found kind of absurd. So I, I want to balance that out and say I see all of you out there that were just cringing when Pastor Sarah said that. There are others of us out there too. And if you didn't see that sermon on implicit bias, go check it out. It's on our uh, YouTube channel. It's also on Facebook or on our website. No, um, tr truthfully, I've, I've been kind of worried about the church lately. Actually, like, really worried, almost like losing sleep at night. And it's a scary time, you know. And I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean Fort Street specifically. I mean the church universal or maybe more specifically the American church. Because it seems like every other day I, I see on my my social media feeds or wherever I get my information that there's a new study that's been published or there's something new that's come out that says that essentially the sky is falling, right? So uh, religious affiliation is down. People don't want to go to church anymore. Giving is down. Volunteering is down. Everything is crumbling and coming crashing to the ground. It's a really scary, scary time. You know, and on top of that, you hear about the scandals in the church. You know, maybe some of you have heard some of these. There, there's scandals all over the place happening in the church, people stealing money, people abusing other people. I mean, it's just like darkness after darkness, and, and, and you wonder what's going to happen. And then on top of that, you know, I'm a pastor, and I, I hear things all the time, and I get these stories. I hear about churches closing over the silliest things, arguing and fighting over the silliest things. You don't know a church that split over whether or not people should be allowed to chew bubble gum in the sanctuary? I mean, you hear these stories and you, you see these statistics and you, it terrifies me. It worries me. I think we've all felt that way before, haven't we? We've all read some of these statistics. You've been scrolling through your social media feeds and you've, you've seen these statistics pop up that people aren't going to church. You've heard about the scandals. You experienced the fights before and in your past. You've been there. You've, you've seen it. You don't even need to see the statistics anymore because you're like, we've, we've, we've experienced this. We know the hard reality. It's hard scary. We get this feeling in the pit of our stomach and it's like, Lord, what is, what's going to happen? What's next? Where are we going? In our text for today, I don't know if you caught the line, I think it's verse 5, 
says that there were many devout Jews living in Jerusalem at the time. And what the text means is that there were many spiritual pilgrims that had come to celebrate a festival. Now, there were devout Jews, obviously, living in Jerusalem, but there were even more during this time of Pentecost because there was a religious holiday called the, the Feast of Weeks, sometimes called, or sometimes the Feast of First Fruits. And what this was was a celebration of the spring harvest of wheat. And sometimes it was also a celebration of uh, the giving of the law from uh, God to Moses on Mount Sinai. And so all these people, these spiritual pilgrims would gather from all of, you heard me reading all of those names and I know I butchered, you know, half of them, but all of those places around the world, they would come and gather in the city of Jerusalem and they would celebrate and they would go to the temple and they would praise God and they would give their offerings and, and actually you can go read exactly what they would do in the book of Leviticus, which I have affectionately referred to as the most boring book of the Bible. They're there, they're gathered to celebrate. It's this joyous, joyous occasion. They want to worship God. They want to be together. I mean, it's the same if, if they're devout. They're kind of like, I would liken them to the, uh, the group of people that shows up the Sunday after Christmas Eve, that Sunday between the New Year and Christmas Eve when it's like the lowest attended Sunday. These are the people that go to that. And if, listen, if you're not one of those people, I'm not here to shame you. I... I understand we have family obligations, but these are the devout of the devout that come, and it's the same people that come every year, so they're excited to see one another. They're excited to be in each other's presence. They are ready to worship and celebrate. But you know, they're, they're as worried as we might be right now, too. They might even be, may have even been more worried because they were dealing with a lot. I mean, you, you've got to remember that the Roman Empire had conquered their land and all of their cities and just had taken over and occupied everywhere that they were. It was run by the military. And so if anything got out of order, if anything didn't fall in line with what the Romans wanted, well, there were, there were consequences. And so this must have given those spiritual pilgrims a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of dread about their religious community. Now add on top of that that the temple at the time um, was corrupt, I think we can say. And this is evidenced all throughout the Gospels by Jesus saying over and over how hypocritical some of the religious authorities were. Or, you know, someone like John the Baptist. John the Baptist was from the priestly line. He should have been a priest in the temple working on these religious holidays, but he chose, you remember, to go into the desert and wear the garb of a prophet and baptize people away from the temple, away from everything that was happening because he did not think that the temple was behaving righteously. And so not only do you have Roman occupation, you have a conqueror there always watching over your shoulder, but you, you also have temple corruption and you know the, the temple's not the same as it used to be. And all of this just causes that feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach. That anxiety, that dread. And I'm sure over time, fewer and fewer people went to the temple. They, fewer and fewer people were making that pilgrimage because, you know, what's the point? They've got guards everywhere around the city. 
temple's corrupt. It's not the same that it used to be, and so you've got less attendance. You've got corruption. You've got military occupation. You have so many things that have just completely changed the religious community, and they must be feeling that. I find it really interesting, you know, that it's, it's right in maybe what we would call the lowest point, the bottom of the bottom, the bottom of everything, as some philosophers have said, that something happens. Suddenly there's this loud noise like a rushing wind, a rushing and a violent wind. And for the people, the disciples, they're gathered in the upper room and they're praying, wondering what's going to happen next. And for them, it, it, it's so loud that it pushes them outside. And they're looking out in the streets and they're wondering, what, what's, <laughs> what's going on? What is this noise? And for the people that are gathered in the city that are going about their business, buying, selling, celebrating, for them, they hear this sound and it actually kind of pushes them together. And they're all collectively asking, what is, what is going on? In the moment that they're looking up and they're kind of asking this question together, suddenly this fire starts raining down on them. And the fire, you know, if, if they were versed in, in the scriptures, and they would have been because they're, they're devout spiritual pilgrims, they might have thought of like Sodom and Gomorrah. They might have thought of the, the biblical cities that have been destroyed by fire and they see this fire coming down. It's like, oh, this is, <laughs> well, this is what happens next. It's the end of everything. But the fire doesn't fall and destroy, does it? It alights very softly right on top of their foreheads and it rests and it glows and then it divides, it splits into tongues of fire. And after they get a little bit bored, they notice that, oh, everyone's talking and interacting, and even though I know th these people are from, from so-and-so land far away, and these people are from this other land far away, and I, I know they're speaking their language, but I know exactly what they're saying. And they all come together. And then Peter, being a, a great preacher and, and one to never miss an opportunity to speak in front of a crowd, you know, he's a, he's a pastor's pastor. He stands up and he addresses the crowd and says, hey, listen to me, I, I know what's going on. This is what God said would happen through Joel, and he'll go on to say, this is what Jesus said would happen. This, this is the promised spirit. I know what's going on. God is moving in our midst. And that's the birthday. <laughs> and then what happens after, you might think, oh, this is, this is great news. These people are feeling all of this dread and this anxiety. What's going to happen? Will God show up? And yes, God does show up. And you think that that's a good thing, but actually, if you read the book of Acts, what you'll find is like it's just trial and tribulation after trial and tribulation. You know, that, that first day, it says, I think at the end of the chapter, um, that they added 5,000 to their number which is wonderful because we might say they, they started with 12 or maybe a little more than 12, but f definitely fewer than 5,000. 
And so they've added to their number, and, and, and we think of growth, and we think, oh, that, that must be wonderful, but it drew attention to them from the empire, from the people who were in power that didn't want any disturbances, right? And so not only that, but as they keep going, Peter keeps standing up and preaching, and people keep converting, and suddenly there's this movement, and there's this new religious community that's being formed in the midst and in the shadow of the old religious community. And this is not necessarily good. It's good news, but it's also difficult. Pretty soon, the authorities are going to catch wind of this religious community. The disciples are going to be arrested time and time again. One of the disciples is going to be put to death. And then suddenly, all of the disciples are scattered. They're thrown out. All of these spiritual pilgrims that had gathered there and formed this religious community and were selling their possessions to give to the poor and were giving to everyone that had need, all of this good stuff that was happening it was broken apart, and they were scattered here, and they were scattered there. But they just went to these new cities, and they kept doing what they were doing because the promised spirit had arrived, and it was moving in their midst. And all of that dread and that anxiety, I don't think it necessarily went away, but it was transformed, and it was directed, and suddenly they knew, oh my goodness, God is on the move, and we are being brought along and swept up into it. You know what's amazing about that is that if I, if I had enough time and you would let me, and, and you definitely wouldn't, I could actually, you know, probably trace the history of, you know, those first spiritual ancestors all the way to this church being built, now, I'd need the help of some historians, and we need some fact-checkers, and we'd need a lot of things going on, but, but actually what they did on that day, their response to the movement of the Spirit, put you in this pew. Think about that. You're here today because God moved at the darkest moment in our spiritual ancestors' history. You're here celebrating this moment. You're here worshiping. You're here listening because of them. And you're here likely feeling some of that same dread, some of that same anxiety, some of that same wondering of what's going to happen. God, will you ever show up? And in those moments when we question, when we wonder, it's going to be really important for all of us to remember that the same spirit that moved among our spiritual ancestors, she's still moving here today. It's important to remember when the new statistics are published and the new study comes out and they show what we already know, that church attendance is down and no one wants to be a church member anymore and the sky is falling and we should all prepare for it. It's important to remember in those moments that you can publish your studies. You can publish all the doom and gloom you want, but we know that that same spirit that was promised then, she is still moving here today. 
And when things don't go the way that we think it should in the church and we hear about these scandals and, and we're feeling like, oh, there's so much change and it's not the same and it, it's not like it was in the 60s and the 70s and it's just, oh. The spirit that moved then, she's still moving now. Brothers and sisters, God is still here. The Spirit of God is still moving among us. And so even in the midst of what looks like the end, we have to remember that the promised Spirit is the same Spirit that is with us today. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for the spirit. Thank you for hope. And God, in those moments when we feel and we read about all the doom and gloom, would you remind us that your spirit is still on the move, that that holy fire is still flaming,